Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, grocery prices are rising, but the farmer's share continues to shrink. This according to National Farmers Union Vice President Stuart Wells. He says corporate processors and retailers are the ones that are benefiting. Wells will explain that consumers need to know that less and less of the money they spend on food actually makes it back to the farmer, and retail food prices are high because meat packers, other processors, and big retailers are taking ever larger shares. Canada's Outstanding Young Farmers were announced at a special event recently. Jenny Butcher and Wes Coons run a dairy operation in the Brantford, Ontario region. Raymond and Tracy Brendenhoff are from Abbotsford, B.C. and have a 40,000 broiler per cycle chicken operation and are also the largest distributors of Canadian-grown hops. We'll hear from both families about winning the award and successes and challenges that they've faced in the past year. After the break, Stuart Wells. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Retail food prices have increased and many have pointed to rising prices for farm products and the drought, other production problems, the pandemic or supply chain issues. With me is National Farmers Union President Stuart Wells. Stuart, what do you see as the explanation for this increase in food costs? Well, I think the uh, the primary producers and the consumers actually have a very um, common and shared interest in this in the whole in the whole piece because we're both trying to figure out where all the money is going that's in the food system, and so from the farmer perspective, what we've seen over a couple of decades now is that our share of the food dollar that consumers are spending the farmer's share is actually going down. <clears throat> and um, so it, it uh, you know, it, it's very easy, and we've heard a lot of media reports over the last two months that have been really pointing the finger at farmers and, and uh, you know, drought-related, production-related problems and citing those issues as the sort of the sole reasons for food price increases. And, um, you know, we just want to make sure that uh, everybody understands that although the, primary produ- uh, the prices to primary producers have increased in the, in the last couple of months, um, that is only a, a tiny portion of the actual food price increases that we're seeing. And uh, so, the, you know, things... Things have happened, like uh, in in the late summer and early fall this year, there was quite an increase in the number of cattle being marketed because farmers just did not have the feed to get them over the winter. And so the number of cattle going to slaughter was up. The, the prices to farmers were down, but the prices in the supermarkets for that same beef were continually rising. And, um, you know, it, it just makes everybody sort of uh, stop and uh, wonder exactly how this food system is working and to <laughs> whose benefit. And it's not only beef and pork, but you've even looked into things like cornflakes and how that price has changed in the last 40 years. Yes, and uh, there's, 
you know, there's not enough room in in a press release to to describe everything. But uh, you know, you can you can start digging into some of the big players like Kellogg's and see that they have announced um, you know major returns and extra dividends back to their share shareholders. And at the same time, I I think they still have an ongoing strike happening. Uh, or or work a uh, lockout. I'm not just sure which, but um, you know, there's there. I think it would be timely for um, you know somebody who who um, I, I, and I, and I'm I guess I'm thinking about a you know an economist or someone at a university to really dig deeper into the entire food system and just track the flow of money through that system and. Um, uh, just you know, really find out if somebody's taking more than their share, <laughs> and um, and it it would help it would help consumers and farmers, I think, understand just uh, where that money is going. So, do you see that there is something that can be done or fixed, or are we simply just too far down this consolidation road? Well, it's never too late to to fix it if we can identify the problem. Um, something the farmers union has been calling for uh, before uh, all the problems with COVID and the supply chain problems. But we we really do have this consolidated industry where, for instance, the Cargill meat plant in Alberta is supplying uh, between thirty and forty percent of all the beef um, that that's in the, in the Canadian system. The NFU has been calling for much more decentralized, uh, smaller plants and smaller slaughtering facilities, for instance, that can work with um, individual farmers out in the countryside to make sure that um, there is another more flexible, more resilient system in place um, for the next time we have some sort of, you know, serious supply chain issues. And that goes for all the farmers markets and all the greenhouse type operations in the country um, the more that we can produce in canada and get directly to consumers through the farmers markets or the community shared agriculture or you know however it's done uh... that just makes the whole system stronger and um, you know I, everybody agrees that uh... it's really beneficial to the country to have a a strong and dynamic uh, system of primary producers. That was National Farmers Union Vice President Stuart Wells. After the break, we hear from Canada's outstanding young farmers. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. The 2021 Canadian Outstanding Young Farmers come from Southern Ontario and British Columbia. The awards were presented at an event in Saskatoon late Friday. Jenny Butcher and Wes Coons own and run Little Brown Cow Dairy in the Brantford, Ontario region. They were both raised on dairy farms, but started off on their own as true first-generation farmers with no family assets. Butcher and Coons started in 2008 by working off-farm jobs in between milking 20 cows morning and night under a rental agreement. A few years later, they were able to purchase a farm converting an abattoir into a cheese-making facility and retail store. They milk 70 Jersey cows and have 10 employees. 
Butcher credits a speech from a former outstanding young farmer from Ontario for giving them the inspiration to pursue their dream. It doesn't sound that complicated, but at the time it was groundbreaking for us to hear that you could dairy farm without a land base. It was absolutely the most inspiring thing that I'd ever heard. And it opened up the door that, in fact, we could farm without any assets and, and we could put one foot in front of the other and become dairy farmers some way, somehow. We emulated his model, and I can sincerely say that this program is probably the reason that we're farming today. The second Outstanding Young Farmer Award winners are Raymond and Tracy Brendenhoff of Abbotsford, B.C. Their farm has two income streams, a 40,000 broiler per cycle chicken operation, as well as being the largest distributors of Canadian-grown hops. Raymond acknowledged the struggles farmers in his region are facing right now with flooding, but noted that farmers across Canada are also very resilient. Each one of our farms has persevered through trials. Obviously, BC is going through a lot of things right now, but there's been forest fires, there's been floods elsewhere, there's been trade problems, and every single one of us has found a way to fight through. And Canada is better for agriculture being an important part of its economy, and I'm I'm proud to stand side by side with all of you in this industry. The Outstanding Young Farmers Program selects seven regional representatives to participate in the national program. All seven regional representatives are under the age of 40 and derive at least two-thirds of the income from the farm. Judging is based on several criteria, as progress made during their farming career, maximum use of soil, water and energy conservation practices, crop and livestock production history, financial and management practices, and contributions to the well-being of the community, province and nation. The Outstanding Young Farmers Program has a very strong alumni and there is a lot of interaction with participants from past years. This is the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of December 6, 2021. The threat of a strike at an Alberta beef processing plant was averted after workers accepted the owner's latest offer. The union that represents 2,000 workers at the Cargill Beef Plant in High River said its members voted 71% in favour of accepting the contract. The United Food and Commercial Workers Union says the contract is the best of its kind and presented unprecedented gains in a time of economic economic and political uncertainty. And Cargill's Jared Gillett says the deal is comprehensive and fair. Farm Credit Canada expanding its financing options for young farmers and entrepreneurs. Curtis Granger, FCC's Director of Lending Products and Sustainability, says the maximum loan for young farmers and young entrepreneurs rises from $1 million to $1.5 million. The starter loan increases from $50,000 to $150,000. The Young Farmer Loan Program and Young Entrepreneur Loans are offered to those under 40 years of age. The author of Canada's Food Price Report said the era of cheap food has ended. Dalhousie University's Sylvain Charlebois is predicting food prices will rise to record highs next year, boosting the annual grocery bill for the average family of four by $966. The 7% increase means it will cost almost $15,000 to put food on the table. That's the result of supply chain disruptions, labour market issues and severe weather. 
helping Canada's beef industry meet consumer demands for a sustainable product. Verified Beef Production Plus program and remote auditing is getting a financial boost. The nearly $200,000 from the feds will go towards a web portal and an app for remote audits, which will make it easier for cattle producers to access the VBP Plus program. It is a voluntary certification program administered by the Canadian Cattlemen's Association to ensure that beef cattle operations meet high standards for food safety, animal care and environmental stewardship. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo announced an investment of more than $4.6 million for three projects in the pork sector. She said it's being done to grow the pork industry within Canada and in international markets and help farmers continue to ensure high levels of safety in the face of the threat of African swine fever. Bebo said the projects are funded through the Federal Agri-Assurance Program. Canadian Western Agribition in Saskatchewan reported attendance of over 85,000 people at this fall show. That number is down by roughly 36,000 people from two years ago. But officials had expected lower numbers because school tours were not being held this year. More than 3,700 people live-streamed Agribition livestock shows and sales, while overall virtual content was viewed more than 31,000 times. CEO Chris Lane said registrations for the Grain Expo and Indigenous Agriculture Summit were record-setting, merchandise sales were three times higher than normal, and rodeo ticket sales were strong with the sellout Saturday night. The federal government is continuing to support Canadian Food Grains Bank with funding so the work of responding to food emergencies around the world can continue. The grant is worth $75 million over three years and will be used for emergency response projects implemented through the 15 member agencies of Food Grains Bank. Last year, Food Grains Bank provided $49 million of assistance for 989,000 people in 33 countries. The federal government provided $699 million worth of emergency assistance through the bank since 1983. And Canada's ambassador to China announced he is leaving his post. Dominic Barton spent two tense years on the job working to win the release of detained Canadians Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor. The former business executive faced some criticism for pushing for greater trade ties with China, even as the two Michaels were imprisoned. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarland and is a division of the Jim Patterson Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.